It's amazing to hear stories of God's movement, isn't it? It's amazing. And, and I am so glad that each and every one of you, that you're here right now. And I don't believe it's an accident that you are sitting here in this room or, or over in the corner classroom right now. I believe that you're here for a purpose. And, and we are so thrilled over the next few moments uh, to drink in uh, the power of this present moment mm -hmm. and to see what God has for us here today. And our prayer is that every single one of us would leave here in a few moments and that a portion of your life would be different. Mm -hmm. You would be changed. You would experience transformation. Um, but in order to do that, we want to look back. We want to look back at what God has done, and we want to look forward to what we believe he is going to do. And so we're so thrilled that you are here to celebrate with us this morning. Jean and I have been reflecting a lot on all that's happened just this last year as a church, and you may have been around for some of this, all of this, or you may be brand new to what God's doing here, and we just thought it'd be cool to share just little snapshots that are unique that God is doing. I think specifically, if you heard in that last video about our Love Works campaign, we started this year by saying, what would it look like for a church to really, truly be good neighbors? Yeah. And how can we get behind great organizations across the city and literally around the world that are doing great work? And so we really asked and leaned into our church to say, we want you to serve and give like never before. And 338 people from our church served in the course of one week, listen to this, in the course of one week, they served over 3,100 hours of service given all over the place. And what, not only that, we actually as a church raised over $250,000 as a church to invest completely into the work that God was doing in this city and around the world. That was a powerful way to start our year, to say we are here to be a blessing to our city and to this world. I think of Perry Fish, who's a part of our church. Perry is a stylist here in the neighborhood at Solo Salon, and she is took over the Lydia House, which is a great organization that uh, really meets women and children at a point of crisis and need. And she ran that project like a boss. And she made sure that it was done with excellence and creativity and care, staying way late into the night to make it happen, all as a volunteer, all because she believed that the church is better seven days a week mm -hmm. instead of just one. And you hear a story like that and you have to say, only God. Mm -hmm. And as Jared just said, the church is better seven days of the week. And oftentimes, it's the things that happen on the other six days of the week that I get so much life and energy from. In fact, I think about the other six days of the week, specifically that happen here in this building or that happen in living rooms all over the city. And specifically, I think about small groups that are meeting all over Chicago. In fact, this past year, 44% growth has taken place in our small groups. 44% more people are in small groups this year than they were last year. That's it's unbelievable when you think about that. In fact, I'm curious how many of you have been a part of a Soul City small group this past year? You just look around. That's incredible to think about people gathering in circles and sharing their lives with one another. And one of my favorite mornings around here is Tuesday morning. And our mom's group meets here on Tuesday morning, and they take over the church. And I, and I literally mean that. They take over the church because there is not a room in this building that they are not occupying. And it's amazing to me to think about some of the women that have, have really in faith, um, stepped out to lead this group. And I think about Amy Winia and Jenny Mayberry and Jasmine and Missy and, and Crystal and Joanne. And, and I think about Meg and I think about Alice. It is simply amazing what's happening in this group of women. In fact, they've had to split three times 
to, to welcome in the women of this church. And it's incredible to think about all that is happening in that circle where they are choosing to do life with one another, to be real, to be honest, to be vulnerable. And I, I love when Tuesday mornings happen because I know that women get to be together and they get to share their lives with one another. Now, I also like Tuesday mornings because this group leaves the very best leftovers Amen. of any small group in our church. Amen. So only I moms. always love- Only moms. Yes. Only moms. It's that's right, so we good. love it. So good. We love it. Now, and I, I think of all just the life change that's happened and the people who've found and begun uh, transforming relationship with Jesus this last year. It's happening over and over and over again in our church, and it's made evidence when we baptize people. Uh, and it's so fun. This last year, we baptized 66 people, a ton of people we baptized at Lake Michigan, which is really fun. Uh, for me personally, to be able to baptize folks that I've been journeying with for the last couple of years, I think of my friend David Zapata, and I remember when he first walked into the doors of this church and into Mark's My Small Group and, and to process with him his journey of faith and to be able to sit across from him last Christmas and him get to a point where I said, David, what is holding you back from beginning a relationship with Jesus? And him finally just throwing up a towel and going, you know what? Nothing. I give up. And he kind of basically said, there's no reason for me not to begin a relationship with Jesus. And then to be able to personally baptize him in Lake Michigan this summer, I just think of, that's just one story upon story upon story of people whose lives are literally, as we say around here, getting wrecked by God's amazing love and grace. And I love that our church is committed to having transformational relationships with Jesus. Mm, yeah. There's a ton more to it. I mean, we have a ton that we'd love to share with you, but the, honestly, we've kind of compiled all that together so we can spend the bulk of our time really looking at what God is doing and inviting you to do. And if you're interested in what Soul City has done and what God has been doing through Soul City this last year, you can actually go to our website to soulcitychurch.com slash annual report. And we've actually compiled in a, like a creative way. We did an annual report, people. And we did it in a way that's really creative and engaging for you to get a glimpse of what God is really doing here. I'd encourage you today to go and to check it out and to just get a glimpse of what you get to be a part of an only God movement here in our lifetime, here in this city. It's incredible to think about not only all that's happened this last year, but the four years, the only four years that we've actually existed as a church. Yeah, and every time around November, uh, Jared and I get a little bit nostalgic, and so we start combing through stories and pictures and, and recalling and remembering all that God has done. And so, of course, this past week we've been doing that. And one of the things that's so amazing is to think about what's happened in our lives. You see, when we started this church, our kids, our youngest was two, and our son was four. So this church is now four years old, <laughs> and our son was four when we started this church. And I was reflecting back, and I was thinking about what Elijah was like as a four-year-old. And if you've been around four-year-olds recently, you know that they have tons and tons of questions, don't they? Mm -hmm. They're filled with curiosity. And I was thinking, actually, uh, back to... Uh, before the church uh, actually officially launched, before God had miraculously given us this building rent-free for two years, uh, Soul City Church used to meet in our home. And I remember one Sunday after everybody had left, uh, Elijah and Gigi, which made up our Soul City Kids ministry and a few <laughs> other straggling kids that came along, uh, after everybody had left, um, Elijah, as a four-year-old, said to me, Mom, do you think Soul City Kids 
is ever going to get their own toys because they keep playing with mine and breaking mine. And, uh, <laughs> and so he it's was honest. just a little curious Respect. about where this thing was going yes. and if it was going to always remain in our basement and yeah. if every child was going to break his toys. Um, so, you know, he, he was curious about the, the long-term plan uh, and he was also territorial, um, which he gets from his father. Um, it's true. I like my toys. But if you've been around Soul City, um, and if you've been around a four-year-old, you know that we as a church are asking lots of questions, just like a four-year-old asks lots of questions. And I love the questions that God is inviting us in to asking. Mm -hmm. They're great, great questions. In fact, this past year, we increased by 26% of people that come here on the weekends. In fact, over the last few weeks, there have been over 1,200 people in this building on a Sunday morning, which is absolutely incredible. incredible. I agree. Will, I think I that agree, deserves Will. some... I, I mean, clapping in faith. And to think that our Soul City Kids Ministry has grown by 33%. Most Sunday mornings, there's close to 200 children and students upstairs wow. um, above us. I'm really glad that's a cron concrete ceiling yes. above us. Uh, but it's incredible to think about all that God is doing and the amount of people that he is bringing here to this church. And it leads us to a question of what are we gonna do about the fact that on most Sundays, we are out of room, mm -hmm. specifically at this hour. Mm -hmm. In fact, those of us that are here <laughs> in the auditorium, you need to know that there are people all over this building right now that are watching the service. Mm we have to do multiple overflow rooms on Sunday mornings. And so it's led us to the question of what are we gonna do about the fact that we're out of space? And when you think about it, most people that perhaps don't go to church on a regular basis, um, if, they're, if they're inclined to go to church, it's usually between the hours of around 9.30 to 11.30, and that's what feels comfortable to them to go to church. And so one of the things that we wanna do as a church is we wanna create enough open seats at the optimum hours so that anyone that wants to come here and encounter the transformational love of God We'll have a seat. Mm. And so one of the things that we're going to do in January is we're going to switch around our service times a little bit. Uh, we're going to keep the 830 service as it is, uh, but we're going to change the latter two services. And our new service times are going to be 830, 10, and 1130. And our hope in doing that is all of you that are here at the 1030 service right now, you might actually find that the 1130 is a wonderful option. Mm. Mm. Great option. You can sleep in, sure. have an extra cup of coffee, yes. and always get a seat at the 1130 right. service so that we can always have an open seat for anyone who wants one at mm -hmm. that 10 o'clock time period. And we're so thrilled to see what God might do with that tiny little change. Now, obviously, just changing service times is not going to solve all of our problems. We know that, which leads to another question, and that is, what are we going to do with the land that was purchased for Soul City Church back in August of 2013? Some of you may or may not know this, um, but miraculously, a group of kingdom-minded investors came together and purchased the 25,000 square feet of land directly east to this building. So when you go out today, you're going to see the condo buildings that are being built at the end of the block. That, that space of land where perhaps you are parking on right now, that was purchased by a group of kingdom-minded uh, angel investors, <laughs> if you will, um, for the hope 
of Soul City one day growing into that space. And when you think about the fact that there are 25,000 square feet of land Mm -hmm. in the fastest growing neighborhood of Chicago that is being held for a church. That's awesome. That's a miracle. That is awesome. That is a miracle. And so we've decided um, that this next year, we are going to pray big into only God kinds of prayers and asking him, God, what is it that you want us to do with every square inch of that land so that more and more people can come into a transforming relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we are getting on our knees Mm -hmm. as an elder team, as a leadership team, as a stewardship team, as a staff, and we are holding our hands open to God and we are saying, God, whatever it is that you direct us to do, that's what we wanna do. Mm -hmm. And so I suspect that Mm -hmm. this next year, God is Mm -hmm. going to lead us as a church into Mm -hmm. an only God kind of faith adventure. And I know this to be true, that if it is a movement of God, then it is gonna take only God. Mm -hmm. If it's a movement of God, then it is gonna take only God to work in every single one of us. Mm -hmm. As we open our hands to him and we say, God, what is is it that you are calling us to do? Mm. And you know, those are just two of the questions that we're asking as this four-year-old church. There's tons, tons of questions that surface. Questions like, how are we gonna reach the thousands and thousands of people in this city, not just in this neighborhood, but all over this city? How are we gonna continue to invest in our local and our global partners? How are we gonna continue to be people that live out justice and mercy, Mm -hmm. that care for the problems in this broken and beautiful city Mm. of ours? How are we gonna continue to care for people that walk through these doors, that find themselves in perhaps the darkest and the most lonely and the most painful season of their life? How are we gonna develop and shepherd leaders to care for the people of this church? How are we gonna find more space for our incredible Soul City Kids Camp? These friends are the kinds of questions that God has led us into, and these are good questions. Mm -hmm. These are the kinds of questions that churches dream of asking, and can you believe that God in four years is allowing us to ask them? Mm. It's amazing. It's amazing that we get to hold our hands open to him and say, God, lead us, speak to us, Mm. and we'll follow. Mm. And those are the kinds of only God faith adventures that this church is committed to being on. I think in light of all of those questions, and there's, there's a lot, there's a ton more, you know, I, I think probably the most relevant and, and important question for you personally today, in the midst of all that, you know, you're just getting kind of shotgunned at with what God's doing, I think the most important question is, what does all this have to do with me? For you to just personally ask, what does all of this have to do with me? Why, why does God have me here in this season right now in this place, because I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear stories of, of, of great faith like this or evidence of God doing big things, if I'm being really honest, at times when I hear those kind of big only God stories, you know what I feel? Small, like I, insignificant. Like I, that's great that that's all happening. That, I, don't, I don't know what part I would play in that. Those great stories of faith are reserved for great people of faith. And it's really easy in that moment to just go, well, that's for someone else. That's for someone who has bigger or, or, or better faith than me. That's for someone, anyone. 
other than me. But the reality is of the story that God is writing and has written for the church is completely the opposite. God always uses the most unsuspecting, Mm. ordinary, everyday people like you and me. That is what he does. And when you look to all that God is doing, the stats, stories are incredible, but it really always comes down to people. People are how you prove that, that God is actually on the move. People are how you prove that God is on the move. People whose lives are being changed by his love. People whose lives are being restored and renewed. People whose lives are being forgiven and set free. People whose lives are are, are giving like never before, serving like never before. Changed lives. Those people are how you prove that God is actually on the move. And it's always people like you and me, the people who least expect that they would be a part of something that God is doing. And I want to show you just like how true this is uh, through looking at a moment at the very beginning of the very first church in the Bible. And I hope that we would not only find ourselves in the story, but that God would speak to us through it. So I'm going to ask if you brought a Bible with you to open to Acts chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got you covered. There should be a Bible either under your seat or in your seat back. Look right in front of you or right under you. There should be a blue Bible. Would everyone grab one of those and grab a pen? Because I want us to look at for a moment this trajectory of God, this track record of God that he uses to take ordinary, unsuspecting, everyday folks like you and me to be a part of the great and extraordinary things he's doing. Acts chapter 4 is found on page 760. In case you're wondering, the Blue Bible, it's page 760. If that helps you get there faster. Let me just give you quick context. This is after the events of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus had called disciples, followers to him. And little did they know what their lives would look like after he was gone. So this is right after he's gone. A year before the events that we're about to look at right now, these folks did not get it. A year before the events that we're about to look at, these followers of Jesus were a hot, hot mess. They did not get it. They were arguing with each other constantly. They didn't believe everything that Jesus said. They were arguing and bicker between each other about who got to be Savior's pet and who was the most important to Jesus. Peter, in fact, who we're going to look at here in a minute and hear from in a minute, Peter even denied that he knew Jesus at Jesus' most critical hour right before his crucifixion. These are the people who would least suspect that God would want to do something extraordinary to their ordinary lives. But that's precisely what he does. In fact, these followers, these first followers of Jesus, right after the church began, loved so outrageously and extravagantly that the whole city began to notice. And in this moment, they had recently just healed someone who their culture had overlooked and walked past every day. They'd healed them through the power of God's love, and then they were arrested for it, and the religious leaders of the day didn't like how they healed this person, and they were threatened by the power that these folks showed. So let's read about what Peter says to them. We'll jump down to verse 8. Acts chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Then Peter, this one who once denied just a year before Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, these are the religious leaders, if we're being called to account today for an act of what? Kindness. Kindness. See, that's what it was. We healed someone because of God's love. If we're being called into account for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. So this is Peter ramping up. He's about to preach, all right? So get ready. Here he comes. Verse 10. Then know this. You know you're in trouble when you hear that phrase. Then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, mm-hmm. whom you crucified. Peter pulls no punches. His blood is still on your hands whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. What is Peter saying here? He's saying it's only by God's power 
This movement of God is only by God. It's by his power. The same one who you crucified, God raised from the dead, and that same power is who healed this person in front of you. So then he goes on to say this. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And listen to these words. Salvation is found in no one else, in nothing else, not trying really hard, not being really good, not knowing the right people, not knowing enough verses. Salvation is found in no one else other than Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can, which we must be saved. What is Peter saying here? He's saying it's only God. Hmm. It's only God. That's what it all comes down to. Only God can save. Only God can heal. Only God can forgive. Only God can free. It's only God. It's always only God. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone that Peter refers to here that the church is built on. He's the cornerstone that this church is built on. Listen, you can forget every stat, every story that we told you today, but if you get that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and salvation is found in him, you have everything. You can forget everything else I say today, but if you get that, you have everything. Hmm. Life is found in him. Salvation is found in him. Only God, only Jesus. This is what Peter's saying to them, and he's preaching with such power and such passion that the rulers begin to look at their life and see these people who are now preaching to them these ordinary everyday folks. And I think their response is amazing. Look what they say in verse 13. When the religious leaders saw the, what's the word? Saw the courage. Courage. Not that Peter had all the right answers. Not that he knew exactly how to refute every argument. It was courage. Mm. Same courage that's available to you and to me. Mm. And they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized, listen, that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been to seminary. Wait, is that what it says? (laughs) That these men had gone to church a lot. Is that what it says? It says these men had been with Jesus. Mm, These men had been with Jesus. You can be the most ordinary, unschooled, unsuspecting person, but you choose to be with Jesus, and anything's possible. Anything is possible in your life. They are living proof. These people are the proof that God was on the move because they were ordinary, unschooled, unsuspecting folks just like you and me. So this is what God loves to do. He uses ordinary, everyday people to do extraordinary things every day. That's normal to God. He uses ordinary, everyday people to do extraordinary things in his name and for his glory every day. Those are the stories. Those are the people that this church is built on, people like you and me. Only God could do that. So again, I think an important question for you to consider in light of the track record of God of using ordinary, everyday people, unsuspecting people like you and like me, people who might have thought that great stories of faith were for great people of faith. The question comes back to, so what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you? Why would God have you here in this moment, in this season of what he's doing? And specifically, to even ask the question, who might God have put around you in this moment or this season that needs to hear about this unbelievable, transformational, extraordinary love of God? Mm. See, what's so amazing, all the stories we get to share through the videos, the stories of people whose lives are being changed, you know what's so fun? Is that you follow the thread back of those stories, and just about every time, just about every one of them comes back to a name of someone else. Well, if it wasn't for so-and-so that invited me, well, if they wouldn't have asked me to come, 
Well, if they wouldn't have been praying for me, I don't know if I ever would have come. I don't know if I ever would have heard. I don't know if I ever would have known. In fact, you may be here today by the invitation of someone who really loves you. In fact, your life may not look the same had someone, an ordinary, everyday person, showed a little bit of courage and said, I want you to know more about who this God is. I want you to hear about this great love. It's amazing to consider that God has put people around your life that are completely unsuspecting, that have no idea of what he might do in and through your life into their life. You thought about that before, that God might actually want to use you, that the people that he has surrounded you with might actually be a part of the purpose of why you're here. And so what we want to do is ask God that question, God, what does this have to do with me and who have you put around me? Who do I know that needs to know about this amazing love of God? Last year, we had a great moment at our third anniversary where we had people write on a stone evidence of God's goodness over the past year. It's powerful. You actually see it's a beautiful art piece right when you walk out to the left. But as we've come to this anniversary, we want to look ahead to our fifth anniversary and say, what, what might that look like? Who might I be a year from now if I open my life up fully to God, yeah. surrender my life to the cornerstone that it's all built mm. on anyway? And who might be sitting with me this time next year. Have you ever thought about that? Who might be next to you next year? I think that's a great question to even ask, to reflect, to consider. Who needs to be next to me next year? Who needs to hear about this amazing love of God that's offered fully and freely to me, fully and freely to them? Hmm. So this year, instead of having you write on a stone, there's a little piece of wood that's under your seat with a Sharpie. Would you actually reach down and grab that? Everyone grab a little piece of, it looks like a shim. Grab that and a Sharpie. You see that? Should be right next to your sparkling cider cup. All right, here's what we're going to do just for the next moment or so. I want you to prayerfully consider the who question. I want you to think about a year from now, who needs to be next to you? Who needs to hear about this love of God? Who in your life? Maybe for you it's a spouse, it's your husband. It's your wife. Maybe for you, it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your partner. For you, for you maybe it's uh, a roommate. Maybe for you, it's a family member. Maybe for you, it's a coworker. I, I bet you, if you stopped for a minute and said, man, all of this is available to me, whom else might God be offering this amazing, transformational, extraordinary love to? Who might God use me in their life? And so I'm going to ask you to write a name or two or three on this. Write it real nice and clear on this little piece of wood in faith. And we're going to let this build kind of like a little prayer of faith monument for us. Our artists are going to put this together and you can come back next week and see how we are praying ahead into next year to ask the question, who needs to be next to me next year? And every time you walk by, you get to point to, God, I pray for that person. Written conveniently for me, right on those pillars are the names of my friends that I've been praying for since we opened the doors of this church. A couple of them have come to Soul City. A couple still haven't, but that doesn't stop me from praying and saying, God, I know your love is just as much for them as it is for me. I can walk through here and point to Joey's name, to David's name, to Alana's name, people whose names have been written on the pillars of this church that people have been praying faithfully for, and they've seen God bring them to life. So who might God have you next to that needs to hear about this? So I'm going to ask you to write, and, and maybe the only name you need to write on here is yours. 
been coming here asking a lot of questions about God, seeking, wanting to know who he is and what he's all about. So maybe the most important person for you to need to make sure is here next year is you. And so in faith, write your own name down, opening your life up, saying, God, I'm, I'm here, I'm open, I'm available. So just take the next 60 seconds or so to write a name or two or three, maybe your own, and then we're gonna move forward in response to only God together today. Let's go ahead and do that. As you're writing, I want to share an email that Jarrett and I received this past week. And uh, our friends, David and Katie Zapata, who are part of this church, they've been mentioned um, before. I asked them if I could read a portion of this email to you because I think it, I think it in- embodies what it is that God is up to here in this church. And, and Katie sent this to us and it said, Jarrett and Jeannie, I'm so excited for Sunday and for our fourth anniversary celebration. In this past week, I was so struck with a terrifying thought. What if Soul City was never created? And I've been reflecting on it through the week in a very, it's a wonderful life sort of way. (laughs) That without Soul City in our lives, it's unlikely that Rosie and Lincoln, our kids, would have the incredible experiences like they have through the Soul City Kids Ministry. Mm. Without Soul City Church in our lives, I would not know the amazing women that I have met through my Working Moms small group that have helped me so much as a mom. Without Soul City Church in our lives, which I'm speaking for David now, who admittedly doesn't even know I'm writing this email, (laughs) where would David be without the friendships that he has made through his small group the last two and a half years? His small group has given him a community here in Chicago that I am so grateful that he has found. Without Soul City Church, I would have lived in the West Loop for the last three years without ever really seeing my neighborhood. Without Soul City Church, I don't know where we would have found the support that we've needed as a married couple. And in the true, it's a wonderful life reflection. I fear that without Soul City Church, our lives, our family, our marriage, our priorities would all be on a much different path, a grayer path. And it's a scary thing to reflect on and to consider what might have been. So as you all were thinking before starting this church, should we start it in Atlanta or Chicago? Atlanta or (laughs) Chicago? We desperately needed you here in Chicago and we didn't even know it but we did. And even if it was just our little family and our little lives that were impacted by Soul City Church, I would tell you that our journey would have been worth it. And the true joy that I feel is that there are hundreds of families that have been impacted in this same way. And then I think about the community and the hundreds of people that the Soul City families interact with whose lives are better. Holy cow! (laughs) It's just so overwhelming to imagine the impact. Mm. And we love you. So happy fourth anniversary. Mm. Love, Katie and David. 
And I read the email three times and I sobbed my eyes out <laughs> all three times. Because when I read that email, I had the exact same reaction. And that I can't imagine my life without Soul City Church. I can't imagine my life without all of you. And leading this church has simply been the single greatest faith adventure of our lives. And I know, I know that I know that I know that this mission works, leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus because it has worked on me. Mm -hmm. I have been transformed. I have been transformed. And you need to hear from us that we love you. Mm -hmm. We love you. Mm -hmm. We love you. We love you. We love leading this church. And you are some of the most extraordinary people that I have ever known. You are filled with compassion. Your love for this city and this neighborhood, it inspires me. Mm -hmm. You are the most willing and the most determined mm -hmm. group of people <laughs> I have ever known. You fought to keep a Chicago public school open. Mm -hmm. And it is open. Amen. You tutor kids. Amen. You buy coats for those that don't have coats. You supply baskets of food for those that don't have a warm Thanksgiving meal. You make sure that every single kid in this neighborhood goes back to school with a backpack on their back and the supplies inside of that backpack. You hold babies week in and week out. You lead small groups. You teach kids. You open doors. You give people hugs when they walk in. You pour coffee. You are the single most extraordinary group of people I have ever known. You are generous. So many of you are giving well beyond 10% of your income to make this work. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't work outside of resources. And your generosity is a picture of God's generosity. And you are growing. Mm -hmm. it, it is amazing to me when I hear the stories of transformation in this church. Y'all are changing, you are growing, you are being transformed. There is growth, there is healing, there is forgiveness. There are relationships that are being transformed. And I just want you to hear from the heart of who we are, we love you. Yes. We absolutely love you. And your love for us, your love for us has changed our lives. Especially this past year, which was probably one of the hardest mm -hmm. leadership years of our life your prayers and your encouragement and your notes and your belief and, and your love for us, not only as pastors, but as parents, the way that you've loved mm -hmm. on our two little ones. We absolutely love you. Mm -hmm. And there is not a single group of people on planet earth that I would rather pastor mm -hmm. than this church, Amen. than this church that is until that church in Fiji gives me a call. Yes, sir. <laughs> Only God. But until Only then, God. until then, <laughs> I am yours. <laughs> and we are in awe of what God has done, mm -hmm. what he is doing, mm -hmm. and what we believe in faith he is going to do. Mm -hmm. And so we wanna close out our service today. 
by singing a, a song that has become a sort of anthem for us. And so I want to invite you to stand. And, and this song was actually written uh, by Patrick and Jarrett. And this song, it really embodies what we have banked all of our hope on. And that is only God. And you know, when, when we look to the evidence of how God is moving in this church, you are the people that we point to. Mm -hmm. You are the proof that God is on the move. Mm -hmm. And so we wanna sing and worship and glorify God and honor how he is at work in our lives here. Mm -hmm. And so God, we say it is only you. It is only you. And our hope is in you, our trust is in you, our faith is in you. And we believe that it is only you that has been moving in our lives, God. And we wanna open ourselves up to you to do more. Mm. And God, we know that you are capable of moving mountains. We know that you are capable of parting seas. We know that you are capable of far more, God, and the fact that you choose to use us causes us to say even again, only, only God. God. So Lord, I pray that you would look down in complete delight mm -hmm. on the corner of Adams and Racine in the middle of Chicago, God, and you would just smile as you see your children singing out and raising our hands in praise and in thanks to you, our good God. Mm -hmm. We pray this in your name. Amen.